Welcome everybody to episode 4 of Race Sim Central Podcast, where simmers of grizzle sit in a room of yore and talk in darkness. I'm John Denton, and today with me I have Big Sign Crofto and Tim, the Governor Wheatley. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> caught you caught you off guard. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. I was in kind of a crappy mood as we got into the call, but that has instantly changed my complete persona um, to <laughs> someone completely different now. Oh, good. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going through the uh, classic. I've got holiday coming up, which means rather than looking forward to having time off work, I'm trying to squeeze in all the work that I would do in that time now before I leave, which I don't think is the point of holidays, but somehow seems to be how it always pans out. So yeah. I'm looking forward to some downtime and uh, hopefully the rain will stop and I can actually just enjoy myself a bit and relax. I feel, so, like, yeah. I feel like there was a time in the past when, you know, when you went on holiday, somebody else would do cover your work for you, but instead now it seems to be like you go on holiday and your work just sits and waits for you to, to come back and you've just got behind. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, just as before, I've asked our pundits to arrive with a talking point of discussion within the world of sim racing. Um, but Tim, I believe we were going to revive something from last time. Yeah, um, basically in the last episode we talked about kind of my wish list simulation and um, Simon had basically gone away <laughs> and and prepared his entire wish list and everything like that and, and we basically didn't talk about it at all. Um, so yeah, we're going to revisit that and Simon's going to tell us what he would want to be sim racing. What's your ultimate sim, Simon? So I have, I have a very specific case, but I think in general, and this is where really we risk sounding like broken records, but it ties in with a number of things we talked about, is that, well, okay, it takes something we talked about and it kind of nuances it a bit. So we, we've talked in the past about basically pretty much every title, you get your car and it's a brand new shiny car. But beyond that, it's also often kind of the epitome of the car. You know, if you're looking at um, rally titles, you know, it's always, top spec world rally cars it's maybe got some historic cars in it but they're all <clears throat> you know top top of the for their day and what i kind of really feel is missing a bit and it's there in places in different titles to different extents but i'm, I'm kind of interested in the grassroots and in specifically you know a very big interest and passion of mine is rallying and sort of grassroots rallying is what i grew up on going to see and this doesn't necessarily mean utter bangers you know tootling around at no pace at all but even a lot of the cars that I grew up watching are still there today at the kind of grassroots level so you know still the odd mini going around old Peugeot 205 GTIs still Mark II Escorts you know ruling the roost in certain certain um, contexts old fiestas all, all sorts, the, the whole gamut and um, yeah it's just something that I don't feel has ever really been covered so basically if I think about all the the rally titles that I've played a lot of them understandably put a focus on the WRC so you know the Colin McRae series etc Richard Burns Rally 
Um, the most difficult cars that you could imagine driving at a rally stage, yeah. Well... Most challenging, you know. They've got a lot of grip, but they've got a stupid amount of power and they accelerate really fast. And, and Very hard to drive at 10 temps. Yeah, yeah. Not so much at kind of a, a lower level. No. And then there's, you know, there's there's been... We talked last time about Rally Trophy, we touched on that, which was obviously historic, but kind of as I was saying at the top of this, they might be old cars, but they were basically their WRC cars of the day. And then you you have things now that throw in some old old cars like you know your quattros and stuff but there's never been anything that's given you either the cars or the environment as well and you know like i i grew up near croft circuit which is not the ideal rally venue but i've seen plenty of rallies there over the years and they still as far as i'm aware still still do the odd one where it's you know you have configurations on the track with some hay bales and arrows marking different routes and, and diversions and different different loops that they do, but it's basically so this is rally, rally cross, you mean? Or? No, this is rally in. Oh, rally okay. in. So they make a stage um, out of bits of it. Yeah. yeah, they use bits of the circuit, they might loop it around some of that actually like the pit lane and stuff. Um and it, it's you know, it's a day event where you maybe have like eight, ten stages and it's a you know, reconfiguration, so it'll use bits of it or run it in reverse and stuff. And it's a very different, it's a very different world to, you know, WRC level competition on, on all fronts, both in terms of the, the budgets and the machinery, the environment, but also just the the experience. And I just kind of love something that tapped into that, um, I mean, I guess for me, it's quite a sort of sentimental stroke, uh, nostalgic thing. But like I say, it's 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 still going today. You still have clubman events all over the place, and they're not necessarily <clears throat> low tier in terms of the entries and stuff. You know, you look at you look at like Ireland, the amount of WRC cars and stuff you got running over there. It's insane. But they're they're running in a very different type of event. So you tend to get covered in 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 the titles that we sort of had delivered to us so yeah the the idea of starting out in some kind of slightly misfiring slightly battered up old you know fiesta old peugeot or citroen <laughs> or fiesta whatever yeah. and you know you're not there to win on your first go out you're there to try and get to the end and you know as we've talked about before kind of learn the car learn the discipline and then you know who knows how the kind of actual progression might work in a title like this. You know, the dream would maybe be some kind of sophisticated role-playing game where you attract sponsorship and you balance in your budget. Do you fix up your car or do you save to invest in a new one or, or whatever else? But either way, just, just that content, I would I would love it. And there was there's one title that, um, and I, I can't remember the name, um, but one thing I've been kind of lucky over the years is a few times I've basically got in in early to be able to try things that have been in development and there was a guy years ago developing kind of his little independent rally rally title and he had like an e30 bmw 325i i think it was and it was exactly this kind of stage i'm talking about it was like a kind of circuit with a bit of a stage laid out with some some bales and and stuff and it wasn't a massively fast car but it was quick enough on that on a stage to give you a scare and it kind of had some reasonable physics going on 
I'm guessing it never saw the light of day. I never heard any more about it. I think it kind of disappeared a bit. But it gave a taste of it, and I sort of thought, yeah, this is something that, you know, in a, in a world of countless GT3 cars and stuff, there's something that I've not seen and I'd, I'd, I'd love to see. And uh, I, I know before I've, I've mentioned a couple of times about, like, the Toka games and how they kind of have this old content and support content and new content and maybe we can see the same in Rallyon. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. It's definitely a missed area of, of content. Um, like if you think of any documentary of a racing driver, it, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be rallying. It's the same with the Senna movie too. At least half of the movie is talking about before he got into F1. Um, and if you watch anything about uh, 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 Colin McRae or, or Richard Burns or anything like that, you, you see all this footage of them driving around in these little what are essentially crappy cars compared to, to the WRC it's, and um, the stages look really exciting and, and you know there's, they're probably a little bit more raw and crazy than you know the uh, WRC stages um, but yeah, it, it, it definitely is an area that's missing, and not just in rally, in all forms of motorsport. Like, it, you know, we, we obviously started out the entire genre with a, a, a simulation called Revs, which was about a, a, a Formula 3 car. Um, which, and, to uh, be fair, Formula 3 is quite high up the ladder, really, isn't it? Compared to yeah, some of the stuff Tim uh, Simon's talking about, you know. but it's still, you know, it's 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 not a target a- anymore for. No. Uh, it's a know, way. It's a place is. people go through, and then nobody's. Yeah, I mean, there yeah, are some sims. Some sims doing F three stuff. I guess you know, mm-hmm. iRacing has it because iRacing is trying to build that ladder, isn't it? Somewhat. Um, yeah, but that's that's the only place you see it is is as a as a stepping stone or as a part of a ladder kind yeah. of. And, and there are obviously people that will stay in that car and will just race that car for whatever reason. Um, you know, the uh, Skip Barber was obviously very popular for a really large amount of people, even when they had a license to obviously leave it behind. Still but, is. Um, but, but, but yeah, it's 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 definitely something that's missing in in all aspects of sim racing. Yeah, for sure. I think not everyone wants to be driving the fastest thing as well. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in 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 reality, you talk about kind of the the ladder and the progression and stuff. You know, I mean, first of all, obviously, as you, it's a pyramid, isn't it? And as you go to the top, there's less and less opportunities, both in terms of, you know, the talent, the funding and everything else. But, you know, when it comes to sim racing, you know, my personal interest in jumping in a modern day Formula One car is zero. You know, it's just not what I want to do. I'd far rather drive something probably older and slower, um, both just because my reactions and skills aren't there. But actually, that's just what I find fun. And, you know, in reality, there's all sorts of constraints on why you end up doing what you're doing. But it's not not everyone is approaching motorsport in real life purely thinking about climbing up. It's, you know, a lot no, of people probably do stuff never thinking they'll go any further. I mean, I think as, as a sort of counterpoint, I do think a lot of people do sim racing to drive Formula One cars or NASCAR or Indy cars and things like that. And, you know, they, it's, it's certainly been the case that you know, iRacing had to set up a rookie series for the Formula One car because people were coming in going, you know, I don't want to have to work my way up to a Class A license to be allowed to drive the car I've bought, sort of thing. Um, but no, I agree that there are 
there were, there's certainly a lot. If you race something like a Formula Ford in iRacing or um, Skip Barber, indeed, you still see a lot of people with very high I ratings and Class A licenses because they just enjoy the car. And I think you, you look at similarly looking at sort of Automobilista two cars like the BMW two thousand and two, um, pretty old um, touring car. That it's very popular. Um, and people have got a lot of nice things to say about it because it's just a pretty nice car to drive and it's not, but it's not very fast. Mm. But I think, I don't know, you know, because obviously Gran Turismo touches on this sort of thing and there's a big scene in Japan similarly for this sort of grassroots stuff, which is kind of different with the uh, Tuge and the drifting and stuff like that. Um, but basically it's not uncommon for people to have their you know their own car that they have tuned up a little bit and they take it to the track at the weekend and, and they compete in events um and i think you know the original idea behind gran turismo was to try to replicate that and i think it quite quickly sort of grew above that because it's more grandiose the tracks are much bigger faster and, and it obviously then leads you up the ladder and a lot of people i think resent that they have to spend the early part of the game driving a slower crapper car before they get to the big fast thing that they want to drive and i think as well you know like i think in a lot of sort of more sort of uh, serious sims um people do go off and drive the fast thing before they then come back to the slower thing and so the idea of having a sim that i mean are you suggesting that the sim would not would literally only be this i mean what would be the fastest car in your sim an XL3i. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I, I think you can have... I think it almost wouldn't matter. You know, you could have the fastest car in there as a reasonably sorted Mark II Escort, and that would be plenty fast enough for anyone on a skill level, because you just look at real life with the people who drive these cars yeah. they're, they're insane and you know yeah maybe you've got maybe some old group a cars in it or some sort of lower end wrc cars or something could be whatever but the i mean the point is is you know like when i'm thinking about this is my dream title or what i want to play it's like i just i just love rallying and i love cars and i'd, I'd kind of you know and I'm, I'm not particularly looking to drive around in an old astra running on two cylinders or something but the point is, is that I don't need to be in the best, fastest modern car to have a, a great time and feel it competitive and enjoy it. So, you know, like my summer car where you, you know, kind of walk around and, you know, you actually build build your car while you're kind of urinating on yourself and, <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that doesn't, you know, kind of quite scratch that itch. There was, a, there was uh, Simon, I believe, on Ravsim. You um, you wrote the world exclusive uh, on that game when it before it was released, right? I don't know if it's world exclusive. I, I, yeah, I spoke <laughs> with the developer, and it was something that I was kind of, you know, it it's doing something different, and it's in a direction that you know aligns with a lot of things that I just keep saying every time we talk, basically about a certain sort of type of. I don't know. It's kind of the person in their garage stroke shed making do with what they've got and I think in in reality the 
the achievement in grassroots sport part of it is actually just being able to turn up and take part it's not always standing on the top stop on top step setting the fastest time etc etc um and yeah i think you know we're, we're risking just going over stuff we've said before about the whole kind of you know the budget side or the the mechanical side but even putting all that to one side and just thinking purely on a kind of the machinery and the environment i, ju I just think that i i do think most people if you give them a game and you say this is what there is will kind of make the most of what they got i don't think it necessarily has to have biggest and fastest and stuff and sure there are people for whom that is what they want but there's people like me who just want an old Mark II Escort please or an old yeah. E30 M3 or something. I mean I think it certainly is an offline game could work really well uh, you know I've we've talked about this before and I sort of pictured it more as a circuit racing sim at grassroots level you know 750 motor club sort of thing or um, you know the British mini racing championship or something like that and building in the aspect of maintaining and looking after your car on a mechanical level um, I think because it definitely you know like as people move up the ladder you know kids start out in karting and they learn a certain amount of mechanical stuff they might move up the ladder and not necessarily be so attuned to it you know once um, you know once a driver is a young hot driver is in Formula 3, they're probably not touching a spanner. Um, but, like, if, you racing, if you're racing your own Mini and loading it onto the back of your trailer, driving it up to Croft or Gadwell Park or whatever, you are maintaining that car, you're looking after that car. And the way I see it on the finance side um, is that you make that the difficulty level. So you let the, let the player choose how much money they start with. And you say you can start with fifteen million quid, and for that you can run a mini effectively, and, and you basically that way you're cancelling out the the financial gameplay aspect. Um, and if you if you decide to start with ten grand, then you know you've got giving yourself a bigger challenge, and that's the difficulty level level of the game essentially in in front of you. Um, and you know when you run out of money game over flashes up on the screen right so agree. it's taken us like three episodes to, to work it out you've you found our mechanism <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the difficulty level is what is your starting resources yeah there we go you know when uh when i was at iRacing i i wrote a whole uh section of game design um that was around actually managing uh teams within the service so basically, you'd be able to hire and fire drivers. You would have um, kind of virtual winnings that you would then have to spend on repairs and stuff like that. We've we've kind of touched on all of this, but the thought is definitely there within studios, but it just doesn't get put into a product. Mm. I mean, I think you know, Iris actually recently teased that they've got a new career mode on the way, apparently. But um, I don't know whether it's going to do that. But at the moment, their their teams functionality only really works for um, a single car, uh, multiple drivers in a single car. So they yeah. don't. Yeah, that that um, I think that facility would be really good. You know, you've, got, you've already got lots of sim racing teams out there, haven't you? So okay. So Simon, it's uh, a clapped out old Fiesta for you. 
bring it on. That's the wish list sim. Yeah. Yep. And some hay bales. You just need to start petitioning um, some of the sim developers now to get it get it made. I'm, I'm sure they're all listening, taking notes. <laughs> Does that satisfy your uh, your your um, your wish list feelings, there, Tim? Yeah, it does. It's it's interesting, and it's something that I kind of agree with too. I I do think that the lower formulas and you know lower types of, of racing are under underrepresented. Um, they weren't in the past, um, but it does seem like they are now. Um, in offline racing, you know, there's the, where you have the career progression and stuff like that. That's where you see it. Obviously, Project Cars Two had pretty much everything. Um, you know, so they have existed, but. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not there in the right way, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it necessarily gives you the feeling of it. I mean, you know, you can drive, they, they have a Mini in R-Factor 2, right, that, they, yes. that came in, and it does, it feels a bit strange to be driving it round like Sepang International Circuit. Um, you know, like if you know, you should be racing a mini on Alton Park or you know um, somewhere that's, and but I mean, this is the nature of sim racing. You're given this freedom to do, you know, like you know, do you want to drive a Formula One car around a small national circuit, or do you, you know, do you want to drive a a mini around a massive international circuit? And like, it's it's completely incongruous, but it gives people the freedom that they want, I suppose. Whereas I feel like. One of the things that gave um, some older, more focused sims more atmosphere is that they they fit they um, they fit everything into where it should be. You know, in Grand Prix Legends, you're driving around all these historic circuits. In um, well, I mean, like uh, in IndyCar racing and things like that, it's all on the circuits that IndyCar were racing on at the time, rather than what we get now. You know, like um, Again, I racing. You look at the V8 Supercars series, and like they're doing twelve weeks, and only one of those is on an Australian circuit, for instance. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I like about the new uh, Le Mans Ultimate title that's been announced. Is that it's actually a series title. You know, you, it's um, like if 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 you were around sim racing for any amount of time, you know that in the past um, simulations were categorised as F1 simulations, NASCAR simulations, yeah. you know, this 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 category of racing or, or that. And then now you don't have that. You have every class of car, every class of car. It's like there is no category no actual category anymore. Yeah. So y you have this just this this bag of tracks and this bag of cars and it's just however the developer wants to fit those things together or however the user wants to fit those things together. But it's um it, it, it doesn't really do it for me anymore and I, I kind of um, I feel like I've flipped on this like I don't think the developers have changed in, in any way but I want to see a NASCAR title released I want to see an IndyCar title released mm. um, and that's why when, when Motorsport Games announced the IndyCar license for example I was super excited about that because I was like great we're going to get all of the IndyCar tracks yeah. Um, you know, in a in a single title where we can drive an actual IndyCar on actual IndyCar tracks, and it just you know obviously they messed that up, but um, <laughs> but it's it, it, it's kind of um, 
that's what was missing is that you know I, I wasn't able to go and do an IndyCar championship and um, and yeah it's 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 unfortunate and um, yeah I, I I really would like to see a little bit more of that where it's kind of focused and um, we get these actual series titles released which ACC does a good job of yeah yeah um, I have to say that's the that's but, the big one but, yeah. but of course ACC the the, the one, some of the biggest um, criticism leveled at a set of course of competition is that it's just once you know like it doesn't have Nürburgring people complain about or it doesn't have any cars other than GT3 and GT4 cars and things like that and you're sort of like well but that's what it is that's what it is as a product so yeah, exactly you know like you can't just expect every sim to have every car um, because Gran Turismo does you know, it's so. double-edged though isn't it so I mean like you know in the in the past obviously say Papyrus for for a while their focus was on the IndyCar series and I had IndyCar 2003 basically because NASCAR sorry NASCAR sorry <laughs> and my understanding at the time was basically like this is the best sim you can get and I played it but I didn't really care for the content if I'm honest and I never really played it a huge amount and so having a series based sim is great if that series really floats your boat and ticks the box for you yeah. but if yeah, it doesn't sure. it almost becomes an automatic no buy as opposed to it you know i can see a case both sides and i guess the the thing that a title could do is or maybe where there's a middle ground is that you have some associated series or kind of series that do sort of have some kind of common ground together and it could be you know at one hand you sort of have multi-class racing i suppose but you could have support series and stuff you could have things packaged together where they make use of the same tracks and the same format i think the problem going back to what you were saying tim where if you just have this vast selection of cars and tracks so on the one hand you can see it and think oh wow think of all these permutations but actually half of them are just junk you're never going to want to take this car on that track or, or you know who wants to drive like a 2CV around the Nürburgring whereas a 2CV would be great <laughs> whereas a 2CV in its in the right environment could be a right hoop yeah that's uh, I mean I, I, I see both of, both sides of this too I mean I like the fact that sim racing allows you to take some car and put it in this extreme or silly situation but then like I say it, you know any simulation that's that's out there right now that has the IndyCar, or if you can't call it an IndyCar, the not an IndyCar, um, doesn't have all of the IndyCar tracks. You yeah. know, so are are they actually doing a good job of being an IndyCar sim? You know, I I even I th I think I've mentioned this uh, uh, before, but IndyCar Racing Two didn't have Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. So, for me. It actually wasn't a good IndyCar 1995 season simulation because it did not have Indy. Um, you know, and, and obviously everybody brought it over from IndyCar Racing 1 and obviously used it and then later NASCAR Racing 3 and, you know, it got gradually up, upgraded and mods and stuff like that. But if you just look at it as the package that it was, like for me, it still didn't have Indy. Um, you know, so I, when I'm looking at great IndyCar titles, 
there's there's one from 1993. Um, I, I I wrote an article about this about how long IndyCar licensing has been messed up for, and it's you know since 1994, since the Indy add-on pack was actually released. So you know it it's um, it, it, it's completely insane to me that there isn't a sim out there um, like iRacing that has all of the IndyCar tracks. It's absolutely crazy. I guess iRacing were working on it up to a point. Um, the other thing I think that uh, the you know a profusion of cars and tracks gives one is a dec- decision anxiety, like with Netflix. You know, it choosing what it is you're going to drive, what it, when you're going to drive it, and then on top of that, once you've decided, if you say you want to go online. Unless everybody else has decided on that combination, then you, you you're not going to find anybody doing it. So you go, uh, you know, oh, I'm an automobilista and I want to drive the uh, Lotus Twenty Three, um, and then you go online and is anybody driving? You know, there's only a limited audience for these sims. So is any oh is anybody driving the Lotus Twenty Three? No one. Okay, well I'm not going to get a race online in this. Um, and one of the things recently doing um, sort of committing to a full season in iRacing in one single car which is something I haven't done for uh, 12 years I think amazing how old that sim is um, one of the things iRacing structure gives you in that sense is um, it makes everybody focus on that thing so you go well next week we're going to this uh, next week we're going to Brands Hatch for instance and whether you like Brands Hatch or not, you're competing in that series for the season. You know, you can skip it if you want. But I found myself at the beginning of the season looking at the list of tracks for this season and going, well, I'll probably skip that one. I don't really like that track. And then actually finding myself going, when it came to that week, going, no, I'm going to do it, actually. Or at least I'll go and do some practice laps. And, you know, as I've got to know the car to such a level that I start, oh, I'm quite enjoying driving this track. And that actually when I thought to myself I didn't really like this track it turns out it was um, that I didn't have enough experience going around it and so I got more experience in starting to oh I actually kind of like it it's not my absolute favourite but it'll do and I'm not but because the, the decision has been taken out of my hands essentially as to what track we're driving that week um, I think that helps me a great deal to choose because I think uh, and, and I, I don't think I'm unique in this I think People focus on certain tracks, and you see you see it in every sim. Like everybody's driving Spa, everybody's driving Nurburgring, everybody's driving Le Mans, uh, whatever. The, all of the sort of the big ones, Bathurst as well. Um, and you think, well, all these sims have got such a wide array range of different circuits, and the ones you've never heard of, for instance, like again, Automobilista has all these circuits from South America. And you go, well, I've never heard of that, so I'm not going to go and race drive around it. But if you were racing in a series that said, well, next week um, we're racing on that circuit, and if you want to if you want to compete in the championship and score points towards a final goal, then you can't just not show up. Well, I mean, you could if you you know if you needed to, but you know if in theory you wouldn't not show up, so you would load up that circuit, drive around it. You might find that you liked it, but um, yeah, I think when when you have um, a, a huge amount to choose from it can push people down very prescribed lanes yeah and I, I think we've, we've obviously touched on this before but that big selection obviously affects people with the um, the fact that there's no specialists 
anymore. Um, like I, I know that you've been doing a lot of laps in the Lotus 79. If there was literally a Lotus 79 simulator, um, you would basically be serviced completely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if, uh, but with the wide array of cars that people have, I don't think a lot of people are like you and obviously specializing in the one car, people hop around a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I, I, I kind of wonder how that actually affects skill level, whether um, people then have a more difficult time actually getting to the to the upper level with um, with different cars because they're having to hop around so much. So, so it, the thing is, though, is that so I I, I really like a set of course in terms of there's there's so much content in that I love, and then admittedly there's a load of content that I've got no interest in at all. Um, now, I think I guess it depends what you're looking, what ex what experience you're wanting. And I I love the fact that I can pick this car I really want to drive and go to any one of a number of circuits I really want to drive and just do it. But I'm aware there are circuits in there that I've never loaded up. There are cars in that I've never loaded up, and I probably never will. And I suppose the it's a bit. And you can look at it from two points of view. So you're, what you're just saying, Tim, about like the Lotus 79. No one's probably going to make a Lotus 79 sim because obviously it's too narrow. Well, I mean, so it's F1 F1979 covering the, all of the cars in that in right. that series in that year would be, you know, the absolute perfect thing that everybody should definitely do right now. <laughs> but I guess that if I think about some of my slightly more niche tastes. You know, like old Peugeot Two Fives and stuff. They're only going to appear probably in a title that gives you a hundred cars and yeah. tracks, and so that's my means of getting to these things that otherwise I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, you know, I can understand why I I might have my various wishes and dreams, but I also understand why no developer has ever put them into action because they would probably sell one copy to me, and that would be it. But but yeah. I think, I mean, this brings me to something I was thinking about when you were talking about your wish list sim as well. It's, um, you know, when I, when I was thinking about what my wish list sim would be, I, I realized that, you know, I've, you know, I've lost all hope in such things. And what I've found through the years with sims is that where there's been cars, either racing cars or road cars, that I've sort of lusted after and thought were great. I mean, an uh, example would be the Di Tommaso Pantera that I was aware of uh, uh, when I was young because it was in Top Trumps. That's um, exactly where I learned it. Yeah, well. and you know, it was a great thing in Top Trumps. It looked great. I'd never seen one on the road. Uh, never seen one moving, actually, still. I've, I've seen one static at Le Mans before. Um, but, you know, I thought that was just an absolutely amazing car and its name, Di Tommaso Pantera, is just incredible. And then uh, when GT Legends released and had a Di Tommaso Pantera in it, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump in the Pantera. I'm going to drive. That's the only car I'm going to drive. And um, and I did jump in it and it was absolutely awful. And it's <laughs> basically a piece of shit And I'm there going, OK, well, that's my dreams crushed. And, I, you know, that's, I've... That that's why it wasn't moving <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah um because if it was it was probably going backwards into a wall yeah never um, meet your heroes isn't it well i mean and, the, and this is kind of the thing you know like i i think even um you know like 
always amuses me that and, and I don't know if we've touched on this before but with GPL where you know you had all the cars and the worst car to drive was the Lotus 49 it was it was just too it's got a low polar moment it's too um edgy it wants to kill you much more like all of the cars in Grupley Legends want to kill you sure but the Lotus wants to kill you more than the others but the with the with the offside being that it's the quickest car but then you know to find that um, you know all these modern sims are bringing the Lotus Forty Nine back as a, a you know reminiscence of um, the golden age of Grand Prix Legends or whatever is always amused me because I'm like well oh, that was the that was the car I liked driving the absolute least out of all of the cars in that sim like why not bring back the Ferrari or the I mean to be fair I said of course it has the Ferrari. Um, but I'll bring back the Cooper or the Brabham, um, all of which were nicer cars. But yeah, I mean, like, so basically, you know, again, I would, because uh, I think I've had similar with certain Group C cars that I've looked at and gone, oh, I'd love to drive that in a sim. It'd be great for that to come in. And then when it did, it was an absolute pig. Um, Sauber C9, in fact, I would probably say that too. Like, it's very quick. It's interesting, but it's not very nice not very pleasant to drive it's not it's not um engaging well it is engaging but it's beastly um and you know like uh certain um older formula one cars as well i think i've been like, oh that would be superb a turbo f1 car in fact uh Ayrton senna's um lotus 98t which is in Etto corsa and i remember when that first arrived in Etto corsa it's also an automobilista too as well um, when it first arrived, I was you know, I was actually talking with Aris at the time. He was saying, oh, you know, you're going to love this and everything. I was going, practically salivating. And um, and I drove so many laps in it, trying to love it, trying to like it. But the fact is, you know, it's got this enormous turbo lag. It's got an enormous turbo. You know, it, it delivers sometimes a massive spike of power just when you don't want it. Um, it's sort of got this strange... Uh, seating position of course which all F1 had at the time where the nose slopes down really fast and you're practically sitting on the front of the car which gives you a really strange um, position to be in the car and it just didn't you know didn't feel sort of didn't feel nice uh, from the point of view of when it turns and you're the the the, the uh, what, what would I say the sort of pivot point of where the car moves from um, so yeah I ended up just leaving that behind and going oh no sorry that that and you know that that was literally the car that 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 got me into formula one when i was a kid and i'm there going oh it's got to be the best this has to be the best car in the world right uh and then i drive it in a sim and i'm like yeah well i can't fault the realism sadly um but it's an absolute pig to drive and you know maybe that makes me respect it and senna and johnny dumfries a little bit more but um but ultimately, uh, I'm not going to drive it, thanks. What do you think has made you fall in love with the cars that you've fallen in love with, then? Oh, goodness. Well, top trumps. <laughs> as detailed. <laughs> and and on the on the sim racing side, obviously right now it's the Lotus 79, but what is it about the Lotus 79? Or what is it about other cars that you've fallen in love with that are in sims that you think has, has worked where the car that Aris built basically for you didn't. <laughs> I don't Our think, um, 
I don't think I've always loved the Lotus 79 per se. When um, what with the the mod team that that were called Riser, who've since made Automobilista and Automobilista 2, made the 1979 mod F1 mod for R Factor. Um, we were working with Renato at the time and doing a lot of testing with that. And I remember doing a lot of races. Um, in the and I stuck with mostly the Lotus 79 through that as well. I think I might have joined a league actually after that in running that series. Um, but obviously through the through the as we were helping with the development of it, we drove all sorts of the other cars. Um, I don't think I've, I think uh, I've got a certain appreciation for ground effect as a technology. I don't, I think uh, I'm driving the Lotus 79 in iRacing now because I think it's the best car in iRacing to drive. I think it's a historic Formula 1 car and if there were any other historic Formula 1 cars I might be more tempted to look at that. So I don't think I necessarily have a particular love for the Lotus 79 beyond the fact that I've been driving it a lot and I've been really enjoying discovering it, working set up and and working out how to really make it how it how it ticks and really how to really make it quick um not just from a driving side but from an engineering side and um I think I think there are probably other cars in iRacing that I would get that just as much um, pleasure from in that respect. Um, so I don't know if it's particularly the the seventy nine. I mean, I love the Lotus seventy nine, but I also, you know, if you gave me a Ligier JS eleven, I want to say from nineteen seventy nine, or a Williams FWA seven or something, that you know, I think I'd be just as happy to drive that for round and round for countless hours. <laughs> But I mean, um, I think I think when when I say the you know the cars that I've historically loved, I'd you know I'd put Ferrari F40 in that bracket as well, which has appeared in the Seto Corsa. Again, that was extremely challenging to drive. Um, yeah, especially the tuned one. Yeah, yeah, and it's frightening. I did, I did um, like like with the Lotus 98T, I put in a lot of effort. And and got I kind of got there in that I got to a point, but I mean it was the sort of car where you had to I say was it still is um, you had to um, understand where the limit is and not take liberties with it. Um, you know it's not it's not going to reward you if you push it beyond its limits. It will kill you. So it it kind of sounds like you're not falling in love with the car, you're falling in love with the challenge, which is something that we always keep coming back to. Yeah, and I think this is one of the reasons why I wouldn't like Simon's clapped-out old Fiesta sim because one of the reasons I drive cars in sims is to do to drive the sort of cars I will never be able to drive in real life, um, and usually that means cars that are, you know, exotic and very fast. Um, and so you know, like I, I, you know, my youth was growing up with Formula One and like Group C and World Sports cars, and I think they're probably two of my favourite categories of cars that I like to drive and whenever I drive them in sims they're extremely challenging cars whereas I grew up in wet fields and air airfields watching fiestas and I mean I whatever. did I did a fair bit of that too and caterings and um, we occasionally went to the truck racing and things like that but uh, you know it's um, it's I think uh, more the stuff that I was seeing on the TV that was engaging engaging my sort of um, well it engages me in a sim as I say in a sim I you know like I've driven enough 
fast cars in my life. I don't want to drive cars in a sim that are slower than cars I drive in real life or have driven in real life, really. Um, and I, I, it, it's about the, it's about how well I can concentrate usually as well because I think I get pretty bored if the car takes three months to get up the straight. Um, and that's another reason why you wouldn't say run a mini on a big international circuit and things like that. Yeah, again, it goes it goes back to the environment as well as the machinery, though. Yeah. You know, if you're darting between sort of twists on a stage, that's very different to heading onto the back straight on an F1 circuit or something. Do you remember the Tanner stage in Richard Burns Rally in uh, Japan? That incredibly twisty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I think that that. That stage is too tight for WRC cars. <laughs> I'd much rather drive a, a clapped out old Fiesta on that one. Actually, there you go. I'll take I'll take your Fiesta around I'm, Tanner. I'm, I'm winning you around here. Yeah, yeah, Right, so moving on, um, I had a topic I wanted to bring up today, um, and it's cheating, which has been a bit of a cheaters. There's been a bit of a thing in sim racing. It's come up a couple of times this year. Um, I think there was there was the one uh, Daytona Twenty Four Hours, wasn't there? And there's been a lot of stuff in the F one games um, with people basically cheating. Um, Coming up, you know, like on their they're on a live stream and grip.exe is uh, is up on the screen in front of them. They're just double clicking it before they start the game and, and things like that. Um, let me start with a question: Why do people cheat in Sims? Because this isn't real. I know that motorsport and especially Formula One as a whole, I think, has been replete for many years with. Uh, teams uh, pushing the lim limits of legality, as they would call it. Um, and so maybe people have an image of motorsport that, uh, you know, um, pushing the competitive advantage is a completely valid thing to do. Um, but, you know, this isn't real, and most of the time there's nothing at stake. So why are they doing it? Well, let's flip it completely and say what if it was real so there's this um there's this information which has come out from people that worked with benetton in 1994 that the benetton that year had traction control for at least a portion of the season yeah um and uh assuming that the driver knew that because obviously they would, would have know yeah. how it feels um do you think he himself felt less for that championship or felt like it was less less of an achievement? Well, I mean, less of an achievement maybe because he won the championship by crashing into his rival uh, more so, but I don't know. Um, I don't think uh, in Michael Schumacher's case that he ever thought he was ever doing anything wrong. Um, so I think that's the basics, but I do think that Pat Simmons knew that they were doing something wrong, for instance, and went ahead and did it anyway. Um, but 
my point there is that there was something at stake, the Formula One World Championship and, you know, millions of dollars. And so people are pushing those limits for the millions of dollars and the fame and so on that goes with it. But, you know, if you're just doing a an evening race with some, you know, some randoms on the internet in a sim, why does that matter? You know, why, why is it... Uh, why is it important enough to win and win by cheating? And subsequently, is winning by cheating, does it have any value? Or does it have the same value or satisfaction? I mean, I would argue that if you're a kid sat in your parents' basement or your parents' attic or wherever you happen to have your simulation... <laughs> Under the uh, stairs. The... the the league race that you're in is just as important to you as Michael Schumacher's world championship was to him. I mean, pe people cheat in everything, don't they? They cheat in all online games, you know, Counter-Strike, Fortnite, whatever it is that people play these days. People cheat in pub quizzes, do, TV do games. They they oh, do. quizzes, absolutely outrageous. And sometimes, yeah, there's a cash prize or there's fame and fortune, and sometimes it's bragging rights over your friends, and sometimes it's just to sort of troll people or annoy people, and sometimes it's just because you can. I think for me, the to take it back to what you're maybe getting at a bit in terms of like, this is a sim race, why would you cheat in it? I think where I kind of struggle to get my head around this a bit, and it depends on, maybe this is where the conversation is going to sort of um, expand on a bit, but it depends on how you're cheating. In that che cheating in, say, motorsport is kind of part and parcel of it, and there's different types of cheating, and there's a fine line between genius thinking outside the box, rule bending, and then there's just outright on breaking the rules and when it comes to say sim racing there are again there's different categories and where I struggle to get my head around a bit or why anyone does it is basically anything that diminishes the sim part of it in terms of his diminishing the simulation of reality it's like well why would you bother even why aren't you off doing something else basically yeah. Yeah, yeah. because you're not it's one thing if you're talking about say track limits in the sense that it occurs in real life you know you're pushing your luck maybe and maybe there's a gentleman's agreement or something and you're kind of taking the mick with it a bit but if you're using grip hacks or whatever it is it's kind of like well you're not simming anymore you're not recreating the yeah, real experience what, what is the point in what you yeah what is the point in it and the uh, if the only point was to win at it you know again why aren't you doing something else why aren't you yeah. playing mario Kart? yeah i mean i i definitely see a, a difference in levels of what could be called cheating i mean um even in <clears throat> even in driver standards and, and, and things like that, you know, you, you could quite easily say that defensive driving, where you're moving to block someone, I, th there was a rule in um, IndyCar that they've now thankfully dropped, that you basically, you couldn't block the inside of a turn and, 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 and things like that. You basically just had to let someone pass you uh, for, for a, a few seasons. 
and um, you can argue that certain driving standards recently in F1 where basically people have been pushed off the track and things like that are, are now bad but a few years ago they weren't you could push someone off the track without any kind of issue whatsoever and it's always a moving um, target yeah so um, that's that's one thing but then there's also this the issue of things that are um, exploits versus what is actually you know you making a change to the simulation so are you basically running two tires on the grass at Spa in iRacing to cool the tires down versus are you running some program that alters the physics in in memory to um, to give yourself more power or whatever that tool actually changes for you um, you know for me those are two different things I, I think if it's an exploit and the um, the rules of the race that you're running in hasn't specifically outlawed using that that exploit then you're not cheating um, and then obviously if you are uh, modifying the software in some way um, creating your own exploit I guess um, then you know I, I consider that to be cheating which of course is something the devs have to constantly combat. I read the other day that the PUBG developer says that it bans up to a hundred thousand accounts per week, and it's deploying AI to hunt down the cheats. Um, so you know, I think if you know if I racing banned a hundred thousand people a week, they wouldn't have many people left after no. very long. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I agree. I agree that there are different levels of it. So. Well, with that in mind, I've actually put together something of a uh, of a quiz for us. So this is called uh, the the cheating scale, um, and I'd like uh, I'm going to give both of you uh, an example. Some of which will come from all of all of the things you just mentioned, Tim. Some are exploits of um, parts of the game. Some are things that are actually in the game that maybe um, are against the uh, spirit of simulation. And some are outright, um, you know, as you say, manipulating the software itself to, to try and um, to try and cheat it, as you were. So um, I would like you. Well, I'll read out each um, thing, and I would like um, you guys to come up with a rating out of ten. Uh, ten being absolute cheating, and zero being no, it's fine. So first one. Uh, using grip hacks in uh, uh, externally that uh, give your car more grip, or for instance, um, maybe an external program that somehow manipulates the tire data in a sim to cool your tires when they might be overheating and things like that. Ten. Um, ten, unless the simulation sucks and you're correcting it for them. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm presuming in all of these situations you're in a competitive environment with other people. I think you know, ultimately, if you're doing this and you're just racing against AI, then it doesn't really matter to any yeah. to anybody but yourself. So, in all all of these are in the context of racing against other people who conceivably aren't uh, using these things. Okay, so I'll say ten. Yeah, ten. That's <laughs> all. Three of us have got a ten for that. I think that might be the only one. Um, what about using techniques to spoof the axis on uh, controllers to trick the sim? So, for instance, uh, you um, spoof the maximum um, that your brake pedal can go up to, to say 80%, so that you don't ever lock up. So that when you hit the brake to 100%, the sim only reads 80%. Um, 
Another example of that would be uh, the, some of the manipulation people currently do in iRacing that uh, manipulates the clutch axis and uses a second clutch so that you can get a much faster getaway by basically spoofing the axis to the ab to the correct bite point. So um, I, I think these sound like the, the, those two things you've given sound like two slightly different cases. So the one with the brakes. You, you describe it as spoofing the axis because well, you're, that's you're, what it kind of... You're manipulating the calibration of that axis. But in real life, there are things you can do to the setup of a car. A physical yeah. stop. In the, in the yeah. sim there are as well. You can change the brake master cylinder in some okay. cars. I think it... But I mean, in, in driving a car in real life, there are things you can do such as not push the brake as hard. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think it, it I think it's a bit like Tim's previous answer is not so much whether you're correct in the sim, but it depends if if you're doing something I think that goes completely outside of what you could do in reality, then yeah, it's cheating. If it's effectively working around the limitations of your hardware and setup or the implementation in the title. I don't think it's necessarily dreadful. If you're racing in the Caterham Super 7 series in the UK, right, you can't change your brake master cylinder, it's spec as provided by the manufacturer. So in that instance, you can't do that in real life, can you? Mm. Okay, so then yeah, that's in that example, it's... And then in, in the in iRacing, if you're racing the Toyota GR86 Championship, you can't change the brake master cylinder. If the sim lets you do it, the Formula 3, the Delara Formula 3 car, you can change the brake master cylinder, you can change the brake pads, you can you can do things to change the way the braking works on the car or reacts on the car to maybe help yourself to not lock up. I think where I maybe make the distinction, though, is that a real brake on a real K-trim is probably a lot different to the brake pedal on a lot of people. Are being, or trigger on a controller or whatever people are being able to use at home. Well, they should invest £2,000 in Houston <laughs> Bell pedals, shouldn't they? Yeah, I, I see this as a... I think it would... My answer is it depends, and it depends, I think, on the user and the situation. Yeah, But I'm you need to give... I need a number. I need right a number. Middle. Yeah, I'm going to say five. Five. I'll say six. Six, okay, good. Um, right, the next one is a is about a piece of hardware. Now, lots of hardware has external configuration, uh, direct drive wheels and so on, that you can allow you to um, manipulate the feeling of the steering and so on through various sliders that are outside of the sim. Um, recently, Moza released a shifter um, that has the capability to automatically blip the throttle on downshifts for you, um, completely externally to the sim. Obviously, uh, we'd turn that off, right? I I uh, use auto blip a lot because I have no coordination whatsoever with my feet. Um, but I use it in in the simulation. Um, yeah, the, I, the a driver aid essentially. Yeah, it's, we'll come it, to yeah. that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's a little bit weird to think that a developer could develop something in a way that wouldn't support that and then it could be done anyway i um, think there are some sims that don't have auto blip as available or or it varies you know i know that in iRacing the driver aids go on a sliding scale so the higher class championships have less driver aids available yeah. 
I don't know where it fits with auto blip, and most of the top end cars are all paddle shift anyway. So yeah, I I kind of um, I just obviously lift when I'm shifting, and um, you know just don't get the revs. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, it it, it um, when it's available as an option, I generally turn that on. So you're I've, you're a cheat, and Simon. <laughs> I, I think except in the case where the hardware is facilitating a feature of the real car that isn't implemented within the sim which is, is what it's doing this is well no well well i mean it's going completely outside of the sim right so no, no, if, no, but if, what you, I'm saying if you for instance had a, a a series in the sim that explicitly banned auto blip hmm. the by the the um hardware doing it on its own or the hardware soft the software driver yeah. anyway doing it on its own then it is and it is manipulating the sim externally to do that yeah, thr throttle blip so my my point was though is if, if you have a car that in real life has throttle blip assist which some cars do yeah yeah a semi-automatic gearbox yeah but it's not being modeled properly in the sim and then someone is using this, they're effectively making the experience more realistic. Well, I, I mean, that's... I can't think of an example where that's the case. I think most proper sims where they've got a semi-automatic gearbox, they're modelling it properly. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking hypotheticals here. Okay, but I... So I'm saying, with, with, the, with the exception of that one case, this is cheating territory. Okay, so yeah, what's we'll... your numbers, guys? I'll give, it, I'll give it a nine, just because I think there's a caveat on... You've got your one caveat in a yeah. really Simon. Like I, I use I use auto blip in the software, and even I'm giving this a ten <laughs> because it's external to the sim, right? It's it's yeah. yeah that's what does it for me. Uh, anyway, next up, yeah, using macros on button press, for instance. So um, let's say you had a macro that manipulates um, your MGU config or something, or you have a macro that, say, changes down four gears in one go so that you go straight from sixth to second on the entrance to a corner. How do you feel about that? So it's, again, using an external piece of software, and you map yeah. a button to do, say, four blips or do whatever um, uh, sequence of events that may, might reconfigure your MGU components five times over a lap or something for me that's completely dependent on the car again like if it was the i think it was the 93 mclaren that's in r factor 2 it has basically like an automated gear system yeah uh, but but that's in software again that's within so, r factor 2 yeah yes yeah, so if it's not either in software or in the real car and isn't in the software and, and you're making up for it fixing the sim again yeah. then it's a 10. Okay. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd maybe say on this is that let's say you're driving a modern F1 car and you don't have a wheel that's got all the right knobs on it that then would you, allow you to make you all the... Then you need to buy one, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I, like the, the doing like multiple gear shifts and stuff, that's just fun cheating. Um, and if you're doing it to basically get an advantage then you know just full on cheating i think again with this, where i can see a potential caveat for this is that you just don't have the hardware to enable you to do the things that you could do with the real hardware i can understand that you might have to create some sort of workaround that allows you to use different button presses to do achieve an additional function 
so I've got a tiny bit of leniency there. But it's a it's a it's a very big caveat on a. I mean, couldn't you could just go and drive a different car if you wanted? If you didn't have enough buttons. Anyway, what's your number? I'll give that a nine as well. Nine. Ooh. All right. Running... My my nines are just saying that look, there is a potential case where I can see this is not being as ultimately bad as it seems. It's not being pure it's, evil. It's still a ten <laughs> in the other cases. Yeah. Okay, next. Well, you could call my nines like a ten asterisk, I suppose. Right, right next one, running tyres on the grass at Spa, as as Tim just mentioned. So this was where at Spa Franco Champs up the Kennel Street, um, teams found that by hanging the left tyres along the grass, they were cooling those tyres nicely because of a, a bug in the sim, basically, which I believe has been patched out now. Yeah, yeah, it, it has been fixed. I, I think it's a crappy thing to do. I think it's one of those things where, you know, there's obviously there's an ethical argument versus, you know, kind of law, law and order sort of thing. Um, if there's no rule against it, then, you know, I completely understand them doing it. But I, I don't like that, that they did it. I think the problem um, is that it was, wasn't it a race that did have some consequences and, of course, they you have the problem that if you don't do it and you're just sitting behind exactly. everybody else that is doing it you know full yeah. well that you know full well that other people are going to do it even if you're not going to but you're right there's, yeah, a, well, there's a moral question there and i think all of the teams should have made an agreement between them that they're not going to do it but then you still don't yeah. know whether somebody i mean it's quite obvious when somebody is doing it mm -hmm. i mean arguably well, the, if they discovered it during practice they should have approached i racing and blah 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 and i think they did yes. do that so yeah the the thing with iRacing is that they have this overarching rule set that basically says that you can't basically bring iRacing into disrepute. That's right. So yeah. even doing that breaks the rules of iRacing. Even us um, talking about it. I'm going to get my account cancelled. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it kind of, um, it was sort of against the rules, um, you know, and I think it's ethically wrong. Um, I probably would just take off the the cheating, what is it you're calling people? Cheating what? Cheating Okay, so I would just call them I mean, I'm going to bleep out all of this, so because... you know, nobody will know what we're actually saying, but that will make it Cause, more entertaining. Because they're kind of exploiting is is what I would call it, but I would keep the in there. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> and... I, I think I, I can, I see the distinction you're making on the cheating, but I think this for me falls under the and it goes back to the sort of top of the conversation about like if you're doing simming you're supposedly wanting to have the real experience and so I, I say they're cheating themselves yeah they probably weep at night what uh, are your numbers then guys I think I'd give it almost higher than in a way I should just because I think it's pretty morally thing to do. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it an 8 an 8 I'm I am sounding really weird here, but my my I'm very binary. It's either a five or a ten. I'm going to go for a ten again. I I, <laughs> ten. I don't okay. like that they did it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. What about uh, messing around in exacerbated tire prep routines at ten miles an hour because it somehow fucks the tire model into making you faster? So this is where on outlaps, well, uh, people in iRacing have found an exploit in the tire model, and again. 
I don't know how people find this, and this is where some of the moral question comes into me, is that people seem to be maybe putting too much time into trying to find these things. Um, but basically, they found that by going at about, I think it was something like 22 miles an hour, and weaving rapidly, and then carrying on jolly slow, and then do a little bit of weaving rapidly, it um, prepared the tyre yeah. in a certain way that allowed you to gain like 0.8 of a second on your qualifying lap. Well, my, my thoughts on this one, it's exactly the same as F1 in, in real life, is that the, the warm-up lap, the, you know, the out-lap, whatever you want to call it, for any kind of qualifying session should be a percentage of a, um, an expected lap time. So basically, if you have a 1 minute 30 lap time, um, the out-lap should be maybe 10 minute seconds, 50 at the most. 15 seconds yeah. slower than that, yeah. Um, to make people get around to stop the ridiculous queuing that's in Formula One sessions and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that should be a universal thing. I think what's a bit in what's kind of interesting in this case is that so if, if you think about in, in real life and you know and why people are doing this in the title not putting the exploit to one side for a second, you know, you're you're going out there and you've got a short amount of time to basically try and generate whatever temperature you can in the in the tires and in real life I you still hear quite a bit of debate about how effective weaving and stuff on the warm lap actually is at generating heat and you'll see some people just don't bother doing it while others are doing it frantically and stuff I think the problem I have here is that on the one hand it's doing something that's clearly exploiting a kind of bug or flaw in the software but it's actually quite hard to sort of say well what should people be doing otherwise you know how would you go about doing a warm-up lap that's not doing this yeah well i mean i i agree with um tim that there should be a sort of minimum speed anyway um yeah, but there is and I, I don't but i don't um i don't begrudge people necessarily doing this or having disc i find it um bizarre that or uh, how they worked it out you know like i don't know how anybody actually found this without some help you know quite consciously looking for it um but the fact that they did find it and then are doing it you know i can't begrudge them of that and it is just you know like you know it's a bug to some extent but you know real tires are pretty weird and sometimes you see for instance in real life people doing pretty bizarre things um based on what they have discovered is the best way to prepare a tire or whatever for a qualifying lap but i do agree with Tim that well no I, I I think that it is ridiculous you know and and to watch and and I think the people doing it agreed that it's ridiculous you know than spending five minutes doing a, a out lap and weaving around stupidly at ten miles an hour like it, it certainly if there was any broadcasts or anything it'd look particularly ridiculous um and you know there is a quick way of course as Tim says to to fix this which is to set a minimum minimum lap time for your outlap or something like that i just i think back to like when i mean this is quite a while ago now but remember in his in the Renault days alonso used to do his incredible kind of warm-up routines on the tires where he'd like enforce this extreme yeah understeer and stuff which is specific to the groove tires wasn't it you, you can imagine if he didn't do that and we were like here today and someone was doing that on a warm-up lap in sim racing you'd be like oh look they're exploiting some weird bug or yeah, yeah. and it's like well I think that's where I say it's it's a bit hard to say you know you shouldn't be doing that because you should be doing this when actually 
it's a bit of a like yeah. lack out in real life anyway. But right. yeah, like obviously people shouldn't be taking ten minutes to do a warm up lap. Numbers. Five. I'm <laughs> still a five. Right. I'm actually gonna say zero on this one because I feel like tire witchcraft is a part of the the thing. sport. If if yeah, if they want to fix it, they should just they have fixed it now, I believe. Make rules, yeah. No, I mean um, just in general, stopping people oh, okay. doing silliness. Yeah. Yep. All right, next one should be quick. I hope using the apron for almost an entire qualifying lap and the Daytona 24 hours. That's very much against the spirit of things. Yeah. Um, the spirit again. <laughs> it's 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 not the racing surface. Um, I think. I mean, I think I think it should be on very the stewards. Morally, yeah. yeah, but it is an exploit again that it was allowed and stuff like that. So, I I think um, I mean I I would definitely give this a ten, um, both morally. And otherwise, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, it also makes them a too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think that this is something that they even should have thought of doing. You know, it's it's bad. For me, I just sort of think, <clears throat> you know, obviously we 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 sit here and have conversations about pretending to drive cars and stuff. It's obviously as a hobby something we take quite. Seriously, like, have a lot of passion for, and I completely understand that some people from the outside might look in and be like, "God, you're a sad." Basically, and I don't, I don't care. But to think that you sit there in your get-up with your hardware and stuff, and then sit there doing something as ridiculous as this, to me, just like, like, what, what's the point? Like, I just don't get the motivation to do it, other than just and kind of win at all costs and stuff and so it's because I, I, saw, I saw the clip that I think you're probably alluding to and I just I don't know, I just thought like you dick that was my response <laughs> to it really What's your number Simon? I'll give it a 10 just because it annoyed me 10's all round actually I gave it a 9 um, right, this one's I think should be quick as well. Reversing the axis of your throttle pedal when racing the Indy 500 so that you don't have to hold the throttle down. Ten. Ten. Yeah, that one's quick. Good. Um, using auto clutch in a car that has a physical clutch. If you haven't got a clutch pedal, I'll let you off, but otherwise. What ten. if you've got a clutch button? Ten, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> Even I'm I'm an I'm an auto clutch I'm I'm a clutch purist, but I don't I've only I wouldn't give it a ten, I don't think. I basically think if you've got a clutch, you should use the clutch. And if you don't, you've got an excuse for using auto clutch. I think there are a, scenarios a button is just useless as a clutch. If you think about driving a real car, just having a an, a digital clutch. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean in terms of gear changes, if it's just a stab of the clutch to go through to, to change. Um, but I think that the main scenario I've seen it used in is cars with dog boxes where you don't use the clutch in between gears, but you'll use it to pull away. Um, and it's primarily possibly that they've found that it's quicker to use auto clutch, 
or um, what I've found, for instance, in the Lotus 79 is that you will, because you don't use the clutch in between gears, um, you can destabilize the car a little bit more uh, unless you've matched the revs nicely. But if you use auto clutch, that it smooths out the gear change process, um, even if you're manually using a shifter or whatnot. And so it's people are choosing um, to cheat. <laughs> they're choosing uh, competition and they're choosing their competitiveness and speed over and above realism in the instance of driving the car and this involves people with a shifter and a clutch pedal I think I, I think oh, if you haven't got the hardware then sure for, for me um, I'm of kind of a different opinion um, in that I think that if you are doing it for performance for speed then yeah that would be cheating uh, but if you're doing it because you lack coordination or you have one leg or, you <laughs> yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. whatever, like it, it doesn't particularly matter if you have a clutch pedal if you don't have a foot to push it with, you know. Um, I, I think driver aids have a space for accessibility yeah. um, for people yeah, yeah. that even I think, just aren't, um, aren't, a lot of aren't modern, coordinated. A lot of modern wheels have clutch paddles as well, don't they? Analog paddles behind the wheel as well. Um, well, actually, what if you only have one finger too? You well, only, I mean, only use one at a time. <laughs> I mean, it, it gets difficult, doesn't it? I saw somebody in the Lotus 79 Championship actually at the Nordschleife, um, who I believe was disabled and driving with hand controls on the wheel. Yeah. And they were very competitive. Um, it was quite impressive, yeah. actually. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I quite agree that if you have a need or a requirement, and, and that doesn't have to be being disabled or whatever. It, it could be just that you can't afford the equipment. But uh, in the instance where, you're, where I'm seeing people utilising it because it is quicker, uh, mm. and, and yet yeah, they like do that. have the equipment, yeah. um, then... Ten. So, uh, so Simon's a ten, Tim. See, I, I would say ten for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the reason we're going with, so... I'm a ten and a zero simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've gone lower than you guys. I can't believe I've gone lower than you guys on that one. Um, using an Xbox controller. Now, this is an interesting one, I thought, because um, we were briefly talking about this earlier. I don't think this helps. Uh, I think it's probably much harder to drive a higher fidelity sim with an Xbox controller. But I have spoken to people who think that it's cheating. Thoughts? I think if you can if you can drive a sim with an Xbox controller without a load of like filters and help doing the stuff for you then I almost think fair play to you because the idea of doing it for me is just Sounds horrendous crazy to me, yeah. um, I mean ultimately again it, if someone is doing if someone sat there with a rig set up and stuff and they're using a controller because somehow it allows them to cheat or be quicker because they can turn faster or something on a you know they're using it to warm tires up by switching the lock instantaneously or something like that yeah, then yeah. It's, it's cheating but otherwise I just think well people use what they've got and it's fine I, I, mean, kind of... I must admit I don't know enough about the subject of whether you can use external software to macro things like the throttle pedal or whatever to make it smoothing out the um, process or anything like that but only to as me, much as you can with a steering wheel and pedals. Yeah, really. exactly, because they're yeah. just controllers, aren't they? 
I mean, I, I, I don't really have any issue with this at all. It's, you know, I, 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 like for me, it would be more difficult, but for someone who has only ever used a controller, they might find it easier than a steering wheel and pedals. I, I, um, you know, I've, I've had situations in the past where I actually unlocked a friend's licenses for him on, I think it was uh, GT, GT3 or something, because he couldn't do it because he, he kept using the uh, digital buttons rather than the analog stick for uh, uh, throttle, and obviously he was, you know, losing control. But um, it, uh, I, I think it's probably just a case of a different controller. I, I, I don't consider it to be cheating. Goes against the spirit of simulation, though, doesn't it? I mean, it does, but then, you know, if you're not. Uh, you know, you could draw that line anywhere you want. So if you um, are not getting physically hurt every time you crash, you could say the same thing. Sitting in an office chair looking at a flat screen on your desk isn't exactly in the full immersion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what are your numbers on this one? Zero. Zero. I think. Zeros all round. Right. Uh, using non-simulation. Uh, hacks that are not apt for the real car. So I've got a few of these, and we're going to quick fire around. This is um, brake balance adjustment in cars that don't have it. Ten. Yeah, ten. I I think if if a car doesn't have anything, I think you should adapt to the car. Yeah. Fine, crikey, you guys are much harsher than I am. Uh, using ABS in cars that don't have it. Ten. Well, unless you're on a control, I mean, it dep I mean, it's a driver aid, I think it's fine, but if you're not meant to be using an aid in a race or something and you're using mm -hmm. it kind of via external things, then that's a bit different. Well, I mean, I think in, in most sims uh, you can set on online races, you know, whether these things are allowed or not, right? The driver aids. So as long as it's in line with that, I think it's kind of so up to the user. It's not a 10 then. No. <laughs> yeah, I... I kind of agree I, I think if it's not um, if it's not for accessibility um, or because you just suck at sim racing I guess then um, I'm not sure be. that just being bad is a good enough reason frankly but yeah well I, th I think if you want to have fun and spinning out constantly isn't fun then you should be Drive. allowed to have fun. Drive a slower <laughs> car. I don't think you should be allowed to have fun, Tim. This is simulation. Um, yeah, I, I I would say that um, one of the problems I have with this is that the process is about learning, to me, anyway. Um, and if you enable these... I, don't, I wouldn't call them cheats, really. Um, if you enable these things, then you don't learn and you won't improve and and so you know anyway i've given it a five yeah i would go five i'm, I'm kind of in the middle I, I i think there is space for them for fun or for or for accessibility if this is someone with the right equipment and the sim handles things appropriately then i'll call it a 10 it's just no it's just Okay. It's not, in, not in the spirit of simulation. That's this is the, the quick fire round, remember? So the next one, <laughs> using traction control in cars that don't have it, is practically the same sort of angle. So what, what are our numbers on that? Five. Um, kind of exactly the same. Five answer. and ten once again. Um, using other driver lines, the, the other driver aids such as the driving line or automatic gears. 
I think automatic gears I'm okay with for accessibility, etc. Same as everything else. Um, the... Let's assume you have no accessibility need, but you are using yeah. auto gears just because you can't be bothered to change gear. Yeah, that that's a ten. But I think um, <laughs> I think Maybe the driver six, line. <laughs> I can't think of any reason why, unless someone has like severe memory problems where they can't remember that. I've never understood you know, the driver line, to be honest, myself. Yeah, I. I, I understand, like, learning a track in a practice session, maybe kind of having it on there, like, oh, oh, this is where I should be braking kind of thing or whatever. Like, I understand it as a training tool, but I don't understand it, people that have it on all the time forever. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think one of the things that baffles me with this sort of thing is, I mean, I've never used the driving line because as far as I'm concerned, I can learn the circuit without needing that. But the... Um, the thing I don't understand is that I consider going online against other real people as a step that requires me to have a certain amount of ability um, to maintain my dignity. And therefore, I am not going to jump into an online session with other people if I don't know the circuit. Yeah, I am completely on board with that. That's basically why, because I don't have the time to practice in Sims really ever. Um, why I don't really race on, on online right now um, because I don't want to ruin other people's races um, by not being completely proficient with the car or the track yeah yeah, yeah. but I mean like I, I, I think yeah certainly learning the track uh, and getting to know the car to a reasonable level before you go online would be the norm but I've been in online servers where I've seen people complaining that driving line isn't allowed for instance mm -hmm. as, as one of the what's set up on server and you know, people are like, well, you know, learn the track before you jump in. And you know, people are, I, I guess, a lot of people. There are some people, anyway, that um, just jumping in is is the way for them. Yeah, I think like this will be my first seven point five is auto gears for like seven point five. But the driving line, I think I kind of agree. Just learn the track. That's a ten. Right. Uh, auto, auto drive an auto car, so ten, and um, if I want to drive on a rainbow, I'll go on Mario Kart. So ten for that. Driving line stuff's disgusting. <laughs> to be fair, um, I, I was Marcus Armstrong's podcast actually. They were talking about track limits, and they said, "Well, track limits isn't a problem at Rainbow Road, is it?" You, you just go flying off into the unending space-time continuum. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, that was a 7.5 for auto um, gears. Yeah, you asked auto gears at the yeah. same time. And then driving line driving was a line. 10. And Simon, did you have two 10s there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Unless it's an auto car. Right, again, we're going to assume that the person has the hardware and no... Uh, accessibility problems using paddles paddle shift in a historic car that doesn't have paddle shifters and flat shifting as a result which is entirely based on performance um, in this scenario you are you have your gear stick and your clutch set up as part of your rig but you have tested it and you are quite clearly a few tenths a lap faster if you use paddles and keep the foot your foot flat to the throttle uh, on upshifts. Um, opinions? Numbers? Ten. 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 Ten for Simon. Tim? 
Yeah, I am of the same opinion. If you're doing it for speed, it's a 10. If you're just doing it because you like the way that the paddles feel in your hand, then yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be. But, um... Well, then drive a car that has paddles, then. You know, there's lots of them about. <laughs> Honestly. You know what I mean. These people are unacceptable. Um, this one is amusing. Using Crew Chief. You know the software Crew Chief? Simon probably doesn't know it. Um, no. It's like yeah. a piece of software that does your um, bits of car radio. So you get a guy in your ear. You, uh, you've heard it on videos I've done. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, using Crew Chief in a historic car where there would have been no bit to car radio. Assuming you're racing in a historic setting. Not I'm racing just assuming and... you're racing online with other people. So. No, but I mean, if you're racing in a historic car today, you can have fit to car yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah. So it depends. Depends on what? Like, Is no, it so are actual... you recreating the historic season so you wouldn't have had that technology then? Or are you saying you're racing an historic car today? I where... think if you're recreating this, I can't imagine a scenario where you can recreate a historic season and get tacit agreement from 20 other people online that they're all going to do that and dress in tweed jackets and stuff. <laughs> so, no, I don't think you're going to be doing that. And on the most part, you're probably going to be driving on modern circuits and stuff. So it's more an apt simulation of running historic races in the modern era. I think for me this depends on how well the sim gives you all the information you would have had in the real car. Well, I mean, this is an external piece of software. Yeah, I know, but what I mean is, if you don't have properly working gauges and stuff in the car so you can't see for yourself what's happening, yeah. you're at a disadvantage to where you drive in the real car where you'd get that information. So basically you might be using some external thing via a crew person in your ear, but they might be telling you things that you haven't got because of effectively a deficiency in the software. Yeah. And I agree here because you yeah. can ha you can configure this software quite uh, in a quite defined way. And um, for instance, if you have him telling you that the temperature has dropped at the the track temperature has dropped at the circuit, or giving you your split times on a lap, then those are things that you would be able to do. But if he if the he he or she the the person on the software is giving you um, data that would have to come from telemetry sensors on the car that obviously that car wouldn't have um, then that's it's more far-fetched yeah that I mean I there is a parallel here that I I don't use um, any of the stuff on Grand Prix Legends that tells you the telemetry that you couldn't get from the actual dials hmm. um, you know I, I specifically turn turn that off um, and yeah I I kind of I only do that for myself, but if we were online, I don't know whether it would actually make that much difference, you know, being able to see the extra information or even having the extra information. Um, I probably would be kind of in the middle with this, like a five or so, I, even though I specifically, like for myself, I would disable certain things to be realistic, e even though I'm, you know, with iRacing, I'm driving a Lotus 79 on a modern track or whatever. Um, yeah, it, I would want to still play the role, I think. Mm. I've only given it a two because I don't give a shit. I think people can do what they like with this stuff. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, like you, I've configured it when, where I'm using it in the Lotus 79. I've configured it so that it's only really giving me information yeah, that you, I would be able to get. You're probably right. Like, I, I am probably being a little bit harsh there with a five. I, 
let's say 2.5. 2.5, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go too, just to be different. Yeah. Simon? Yeah, I, I, I don't feel too strongly on this one. I'll give it a three. Three, okay. Okay, um, just a couple more left now, guys. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, this is another one that should be easy. Using on-screen on displays for your split times, track layouts, Starship Enterprise, uh, tire or brake temperatures. I think if it's a radio replacement, if the, you know, if there's no actual crew chief modeled in the software, but there actually was one in the period of car, um, then it makes sense to display it on the on the screen. Um, otherwise, it's it's very similar to the um, to the previous answer, really. I, yeah, I'm kind of two three. One of the, one of the things I feel about this is I don't think it helps that much. I think people think it helps, but it's actually just a distraction most of the time, uh. and it and it distracts from your concentration. Personally, I have nothing on screen because I replicate. Um, you know, I'm in VR and I replicate how it was when I've raced in real life, which is I don't have any head-up displays on my bloody helmet mm -hmm. visor. Um, but the one of the things I was thinking about in relation to this was that um, a set of course of competency only gives you a readout of tyre and brake temperatures. And I found when uh, practising and learning that, I came to rely on that um, data too much to see you know, oh, it's it's going to be a lap, maybe two laps before everything's fully up to temperature. And I think if I didn't have that available or switched it off, that it would have been, it would have maybe taken a bit longer, but I would have gained um, an appreciation of understanding that, you know, that the car was up to temperature by feel more than by looking at the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can feel when you're on a faster lap, like when you've done enough laps. Um, but there's there's been times with the, um, it was in iRacing first, where there was like a live lap time tracker where it would literally show you green or red, you know, yeah. whether you were in, in um, like how you were compared to your fastest lap or, you know, whatever. Um, and there's been times when I would do something and I'm like, oh, that's surprisingly quicker that that much faster mm. um you know I, but i think it's it's almost like a training tool um a, again it's that, like i um i don't know whether that should be used in races and stuff like that where you know you should be kind of racing the racetrack and your competitors not your own times yeah time you know um i i'm kind of low on this again probably two or three I think for me it's exactly the same as the previous one it's like if it's giving you information that you should be able to have and you can't get at for whatever reason i don't i think it's fine um well i mean it's brake temperatures is probably well it depends doesn't it um in a set of course of competition for instance you have a realistic recreation of the car and its dashboard and so you can see quite a lot of information on the car's dashboard yeah, so and that's available. So it's available to you. Yeah. I, I don't think brake temperatures are, but I think tire carcass temperatures are on a lot of the dashboards. So, for instance, you can see that information. You can see the tire pressures as well. Um, anyway, numbers. You said two or three, Tim. Two. Sorry, sorry, I was muted. Two. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Simon. <laughs> yeah, one. One. <laughs> Okay, um, turning off in the settings, uh, dirt on the windscreen or visor. 
so that you have that you don't your visibility is never impaired. Ten. Yeah. Simon. Do you have working windscreen wipers on the car? And yeah. <laughs> then it, it's a ten if it's just yeah. Okay, good. We're tens all round on that one. I'm glad. Good to see. Uh, disabling HDR in the uh, graphics settings to prevent sun glare on sunset and sunrise in races. Oh wow! Well. Um, yeah, I didn't. I learned people it. doing this uh, only the other day. If that's it's, the only reason for doing it, the only reason is because the sun's in your eyes and the glare is realistic. Then it's just every. It's like everything. It's just a ten because it's. Yeah. It's it's like the other things. If you're using something for an for an advantage, that yeah. But if you just didn't like how it looks, then you know it wouldn't be a ten. But otherwise, it's it, it's a ten. Yeah, I mean, in the example where I heard about it on Sunday, it was specifically being turned off to prevent sun glare because wow. it infected performance. Yeah, it was like you might as well just turn down the graphics till you've just got a grey strip you know, going round. You know, this is like in first-person shooters where you can turn down the detail levels and it will reduce the amount of like little bushes and shrubs and things, so mm. you can see people yeah, you get that, more, yeah. that that you wouldn't be able to see because there would be a tree in the way. I mean, the one thing I would say with with regards to say, the case of glare, and if you've ever been out for a drive like early morning or at dusk and it's especially like a wet road where you can have this horrendously blinding glare yeah you can say squint and that helps to filter that out or you can even put a hand up if need be to kind of block the sun a bit you can't do any of those things yeah you can reach reach for your sunglasses right yeah but they don't work on a screen. Yeah, that's what I mean. You, in real life, life, you'd reach yeah. for your sunglasses. Yeah. Well, th there's things you can do in real life in that situation that you can't do in a title. But I mean, I've I've been karting. I remember in the winter series where the sun was really low in the sky, and had this exact issue. And like my helmet did not have a tinted visor, oh, and I can't yeah, reach for my sunglasses, yeah. and I can't really stick my hand up because I'm trying to hold on to this go kart. So it's, you know, it's not that an option. That actually might be All an interesting time. thing. Is it is that maybe if a simulation is modelling sun glare, maybe they should allow you to select your visor before you go. Yeah. And 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 then if you've got it wrong, you've got it wrong. Yeah. Because imagine imagine well, press a button for squint. Imagine Ari Vatanen driving his four hundred five T sixteen up Pikes Peak. In a sim. In real life, he went one-handed and put his hand up and blocked the sun out. Yeah, we can do that in the sim. Yeah, oh. but it won't change the light. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he can still do it if he wants. Okay. So, Simon, you're still giving it a ten? Um, ten. Yeah. I think it. No, it's ten for ten. Ten at ten asterisks. There's no such thing. There's no such rating as a ten asterisk. Nine. That's what a ten asterisk. No, is. it's a it's a caveated no because it's it well, falls into different it's know? different categories and it's it, it's worse it's a ten and at its best it's maybe understandable and not so bad. But <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's a funny thing, of course, because in the old days when the graphics were so bad, we would have dreamed of the graphics being this good, and yet people are turning down the graphics so that they don't yeah. impair their performance. Yeah, it's well, they used to just moral things. 
They used to just stick lens flare on everything, even when it was meant to be your eyes, not a lens. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, yeah. it's a new fashion, yeah, fashionable the, trick we've got. Yeah, the uh, circles and yeah. stuff like that. It's like, yeah. no, it's not, a, it's not a lens. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, the, this was the last one, which give, takes us to the bottom of the score sheet, where we see everybody's intolerant score. Um <laughs> And I'm very much surprised to find myself coming in in third place, <laughs> given that I expected that I would be in, in first place here with 126 points. Uh, in second place, Tim, you're sliding in with 147. And uh, Simon, 161 okay. is our intolerance leader. So I'm, I'm not really that surprised about Simon, honestly, but I am about me. <laughs> I, but I'm always so embracing of everything. I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have known? Who would have guessed? Okay, listeners. Well, this is about all we got time for. I hope you've enjoyed our uh, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous game. Um, Tim, did you want to tell anybody how they can get in touch with us to ask exciting questions or maybe pro- propose more ridiculous games? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a uh, an email. You can uh, email podcast at racingcentral.net. You can go to racingcentral.net and um, discuss in the forums um, or um, email or anything you want. We have all of the social medias, literally every single social media. Um, You're on Truth there. Social. I, 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 I'm <laughs> actually not on that one. <laughs> I, I did actually think about it. And I, nah. Have to get um, that sorted out now, Tim. But I did get the crucial market segment. It's yeah. in out on that. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, I I got the uh, blue sky um, thing through last night, and then I've just started posting on TikTok again a few videos here and there. But yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere as 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 much as I can. I just generally post the same thing everywhere though. Yeah. Race RaceSimCentral.net uh, for the forums, and uh, yeah, at RaceSimCentral on Twitter. Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.